Christmas is all about. What we've just heard sung by our young people. It's about God's love being expressed in this child that we know as Jesus. Being born many thousands of years ago in a stable. Jesus is the expression of God's love to our world, the expression of God's love to our lives. Many of us may have thought, you know, God is distant. God is removed. God is far away. God can't be reached. But the whole message of Christmas is God coming into our world as the Savior, as the Deliverer, as God with us, Emmanuel. God with us, God with you and I. And yet, very often we walk through our world, we walk through our life experience without a sense of God. We walk through life thinking that God is removed, God is far away. All of us know about this distance that we associate with God because all of us somehow have felt it. We felt removed, we felt disconnected. We felt at times whilst we've laid our head on the pillow and cried tears at night in the darkness of a moment. God, where are you? We're all acquainted with that, whether we're young or old in this room today. But the great, beautiful message of Christmas is that God is not far away. In fact, the Bible says God is not far away from any one of us. Amazing. Do you know over the last weeks since the beginning of December, we've been looking at this message of Christmas. And on the first week, we said that from Christmas, there's a message that comes of embracing huge change. Every single one of us in this room knows how life can change so very quickly. And yet God enables us to embrace change. God enables us as people by His grace to move through the variances of life, whether they be up or down. God helps us to move through change. When Mary and Joseph became aware of God's plan for their lives, they had to embrace huge change for their future. Just imagine an angel coming into your room, you're betrothed to marry a man, called Joseph, you're all excited, your future's set out, and suddenly this messenger from heaven says, you are going to carry the Savior of the world. You're going to retain your virginity. There's not going to be anything impure about this moment. God's going to overshadow your womb, and you are going to carry God. He's going to become flesh through you. Mary recoils. How is this possible? And God says to her, that which is impossible to man is possible to me. Change. Joseph and Mary have to encounter huge change, embrace huge change if they are going to obey God's plan for their lives. They did that. 
They embraced the changes that came with the obedience that was necessary to follow God. And we're all aware of those changes that come into our world. Next, we saw after that how they had to move through horrid rejection. Do you know, if we went around this room and asked the question, have you faced rejection? All of us in some shape or form, whether it's a bully in a classroom, whether it's the unkind remarks of of an employer to an employee, or whether it's just the, the, the coarse remarks of a loved one hitting you head on. Every one of us in this room knows the sting of rejection. And yet, even through horrid rejection, God will lead you on through. This is the messages that come to us from Christmas. This is what gives us wonderful hope. God can even take and turn that rejection that maybe you feel today and use it as a moment and a means to redirect you into his plan and purpose for your life. This is what happened to Mary and Joseph. Every point of rejection seemed to redirect them and recenter them exactly where God wanted them. God can use the worst things about life and take them up and craft them to become the greatest moments in your history on this earth. Only He can do that. And this is the story that we read about. In Christmas, and last week we looked about how message points us to trust God when we can't trace Him. Trust Him. God spoke specifically to this young couple. He told them everything He was going to do. And yet, all of circumstance and life itself seemed to contend with the word that they were holding on to. And it seems so fragile, it seems so frail against the terrible odds that were facing them. It seemed as if God had got it all wrong. And yet, they trusted God when they couldn't trace Him. They trusted God when circumstance was, was bearing down on them hard and crisis would hit after crisis. They trusted God. Let me encourage you today. Maybe God has spoken to you. A little phrase, a little verse from the Bible. Maybe you've, you've sung something on the screen and it's been seeded in your heart. And you've thought, you know what, I'm going to put my hope in that. No matter what comes against you. No matter what comes crashing down on your life. No matter what crisis lands in your door. Trust God. He'll bring you on through. Trust God even when you can't trace him. Because he'll never let you down. David, a king in the Old Testament, said this. God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. That's the confession of a man that trusted God amidst all of the variances of life. That's a man who set his eyes on God even when everything was confusing around him. He trusted God and you know what? God was his help. Maybe today you need to trust God. Place your hope and your faith not on your own ability and on your own strength to get through this circumstance that faces you. Trust Him. He'll bring you on through. Trust Him. He'll be that help that you need Him to be. Why? Because He loves you. He's committed to you. He'll never let you go. He'll never leave you alone. In fact, Paul said this in Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He just can't help himself but love us. 
Even amidst all of the wrongs and all of the mistakes that we do, God is hopelessly and helplessly, if there is such a term and a phrase that you can use of God, He's hopelessly and helplessly in love with you and me. With you and me. He really is. Now today, for the moments that we have together, there's another wonderful message that comes to us from this first Christmas And Juliet read it so beautifully. She read two portions of Scripture, one from John's Gospel, John chapter 1, verse 5, and also from Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. And I'm going to just pick up on those readings that Juliet read to us this morning. The first one, let me remind you of it. John, the apostle, speaking about this first moment where Christ came into our world and in fact on beyond this moment about all of his life he sums it up thinking about Jesus 50 years after Jesus had ascended to heaven John wrote these words and he encapsulated everything about Jesus his birth his death his resurrection in this one line he said this the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. The light, Jesus, shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it, will never be victorious over it, will never conquer it, will never engulf it to the point that it puts it out. The light shines. It's an unconquerable light. It's a victorious light. Jesus, the light of the world, shines and the darkness about it cannot put it out. You know, when I was thinking about this wonderful line in the Bible, my mind went back to a time where my grandfather used to sit me on his lap and tell me stories. He was a good Welsh grandfather from Ebervale, and he had lots of stories. And every time I would sit on his lap, I'd say, Grant, will you tell me another story? And he'd pull a fresh one out of the hat. Oh, and it was an adventure just to sit there and listen to him. Well, my grandfather was a miner. He was sent down to work in the mines at 12 years of age. And he used to tell me this story about working on the coal face. Before there was electricity down the mines, he'd go with his little lamp and he would work at 12 years of age on the coal face. And he'd work for 12 hours a day. And then he would tell me about the moment when the lights would go out in his lamp. And I, you know, I would be petrified as a little boy. you scared of the dark. I'd say, Grant, what would you do? He said, son, I just couldn't do anything. I would be engulfed by darkness. The light would go out and there was nothing to do other than to sit in that darkness. I couldn't get up. There were so many tunnels. There was a labyrinth of directions that I could go in. I would just have gone deeper into that darkness, not knowing where to go or what to do. And then he would say, the only thing that would rescue me would be the glimmer of light. And men would come and and lead him out of that dark place by their little lamps. And they would go back and either they would relight his light so he could work on the face or they would go up at the end of a shift. That's a very, that was a very real story to me. Lost in the darkness, 
without light. But John wasn't talking about the darkness that's deep in the earth on a coal face. John was talking about a different type of darkness that every single one of us are aware of. John was talking about a darkness that was not physical and tangible and around your body. The type of darkness that arrives at the end of every day. No, he's not talking about that darkness. He's talking about a spiritual darkness. You know, the darkest place in our universe is not under us in the ground on a coal face. It's not above us in the endless universe in some black hole that swallows everything. The darkest place on the earth in this universe of ours is the human heart. And we're all aware of it. We've all experienced it. We all know about this darkness that John is talking about. On the first Christmas, Mary was in a dark place as a young woman. She grew up, lived in a, in a city called Nazareth. It had a terrible reputation of nothing good coming out of it. That's a dark place. To live in such a place, such an environment with such a, a notorious statement over it. Nothing good, nothing good of life can ever leave, leave this city. Dark. And yet into that moment of darkness, the light shines. There's a new word for her from the angel. God has highly favored you. What is that? That's light shining in the darkness. The darkness of your past, Mary. The, con the conditioning that you've received in this negative environment is not going to characterize the future that I have for you. You're highly favored of God, Mary. That's light shining. That's, the darkness cannot overcome it. The darkness cannot put out the word of God for her life. She receives this light. She says, be it done unto me. I'm going to believe that. Maybe you've had a terrible year. Maybe you've had a difficult year. Darkness in various forms. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe, you know, you've, you've gone through terrific things, circumstances that, that have troubled you. You entered 2018 with bright hope for the future. You, at the end of 2018, you just look back and it's been one issue after another. Darkness. But like Mary, God has a word for you. He loves you. He's going to bring you on through. He's going to use all of those ingredients that have tried to beset you to center you right in his plan and his purpose for your life. Light. She receives light. But as she receives this purpose and this plan, Joseph has a real issue and a real problem as Mary, his bride announces to him that she is pregnant and the plan and the purpose that she is obey, obeyed and is willing to follow he struggles with and he now is engulfed in a mental darkness that he doesn't know what to do with and he says listen I mean the Bible doesn't really go into detail about their conversations but it shows us the conclusions of their conversations as Joseph says to Mary, listen, 
We're going to have to divorce. We're going to have to separate. The engagement, the betrothal is off. I'm going to have to put you away privately. Engulfed in darkness and turmoil. And then suddenly, you see, God will look after all of the eventualities and all of the, all of the things that oppose us going forward and seemingly separate us. He comes in the form of a dream and the, the angel, the same angel that speaks to Mary, assures Joseph to take Mary as his bride because what is conceived in her is of God. And now light for Joseph comes into his darkness. You see on this first Christmas there is a very real darkness that tries to engulf these two young people like it tries to engulf our lives. And yet amidst all of that darkness that seems so horrid and painful and difficult, the power of God's light shines victorious and is unable to be defeated. And then on from there as they're together, ready to bring Christ into the world, another circumstance raises its head. Darkness comes from a different angle, a different corner. A Caesar Augustus demands a census to be taken and everybody has to go back to their hometown. The only trouble with that is Mary is about to give birth to the Savior of the world and Bethlehem, their hometown, is a hundred miles from Nazareth. Darkness, circumstance, pressure upon pressure, crisis upon crisis. I mean, does God know what he's doing? Should it be this difficult if God loves us? Should it be this hard? Should there be crisis after crisis queuing up to oppose and corner and stop the wonderful entrance of God's loving Christ entering our world? Hard, difficult, tragic, dark. And they go on their hundred mile journey back to Bethlehem and the moment that they're there, Joseph is pleading with innkeeper after innkeeper trying to get room so Mary can just have a decent place to rest and to give birth to this child. And the only place they can find is a dirty cattle shed to bring forth the Savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us. Things are dark. Things are hard. But even in that lowest place where they can bring Christ into, a light shines as shepherds come. They announce that they'd seen the angel and they fall and they worship him. And then on from there, as Jesus grows, wise men come thousands of miles from the east, worshiping him and, and giving, giving praise to him as they enter the home. Light comes amidst the darkness. Direction comes amidst all of the difficulties that they face. God is good even when things get tough, even when things get hard, even when you want to give up, even when you don't want to do what, what you've set out to do. God has a way through. In fact, the Bible tells us in, in the Old Testament that he can even make a road in the wilderness where there is no road. He cannot lead you on through. He's that type of God. He loves us. This is what Christmas is all about. It's all about. And then as they're just settling 
lights come. They've had gold, frankincense and myrrh. They've been favored by God. And then another crushing blow as King Herod sends out his troops into that that region and starts to butcher every child under the age of two, murdering and the screams and the chaos and the violence. This is another side of the darkness trying to close down and, and, and put out this wonderful light that's been brought into the world. And they're told they don't know what to do, they don't know where to go. I mean, imagine for a moment being faced with the horrors of that. Suddenly light comes in the form of an angel. The angel that had said, highly favored, is now saying, flee, run for your life to Egypt. And now they're not making a 100-mile journey. They're making over 500-mile journey to Egypt in the middle of the night, running for their lives. But light is directing them. Do you know when you give your life to Christ, we know this. He doesn't wrap you up in cotton wool. He doesn't, you know, assure you a golden road to walk on where there will be nothing going wrong. In fact, he tells us quite the opposite, that it will be a narrow road fraught with difficulty and hardship. But in amidst all of those hardships and difficulties and tragedies and crises that seem to crash against our life, the light shines. And the darkness cannot overcome it. My father is in a home this Christmas. He's been suffering with Alzheimer's for a number of years. He can't, he can't have a conversation with us any longer. He remembers our names. And you can see the love in his eyes. But when he talks, it all comes out gibberish. But he's still able to say, Jesus, I love you. Darkness, yes. But light shining in the darkness nonetheless. Darkness in our emotions, darkness in, in our family life, darkness in, in, in the sense that we're sad that he won't be able to open presents at home this year. But light nonetheless. You see, the light shines and the darkness cannot overcome it. David, the king... In the Old Testament, the king of Israel said these words in Psalm 23, verse 4, and you will know these words well. When he talked about the Lord as his shepherd, he said this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's darkness, friends. You can't get any darker than a valley overshadowed by death. That is dark. And yet in the midst of all of that terrific darkness and chaos that David walked through, he said, I will fear no evil. Why? Because of the light. Thou art with me, Lord. You are with me. Even amidst all of the dark, deathly valleys, all of the ups and downs of life that we go through, we don't have to fear evil. Listen, we might get afraid sometimes. We might get low. But in it all, we can say, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He's with you. He's with you this Christmas. He's not going to let you go. He really isn't. And that is where we get our confidence from. Finally, let me 
Let me close by, by saying this. On Monday, I was uh, cycling and I was asking the Lord, Lord, what can I say to your people just to encourage them? And um, he just whispered into my heart, not a voice like my voice, just, you know, like a little whisper. Have you ever had one of those little whispers? You know it's not your own voice because it's so unique and so unusual. It may sound like your own voice, but you know that there's something on it that's, that's his and not yours. And he said, son, he said, just tell them the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. And I said, Lord, how can I explain that? How can I explain this, this light shining in the darkness? And he said, well, why don't you just tell people how the light shone in your darkness? And he, he reminded me of an occasion many years ago when I was sat on the edge of my bed, my head in my hands, and life had been dark for a long time. This darkness had been weighing me down. In my emotions, I couldn't lift myself. And it was, it was haunting me, following me. It was like a predator and you'd get a moment of relief. You'd get a moment where, you know, hey, yeah, everything's good, only to be followed by this, this sweep of darkness that would engulf you. And I remember one night, it had all got too much, my head in my hands. I said, oh God, I, listen, I hate my life and I said it and I meant it and I must have said it about four or five times over and over again and it was it caught me by surprise because I'd never ever said something like this about my life I hate my life and it was an awful moment a dark moment for me as a young person that surprised me that caught me Maybe it was the first time that I was becoming really aware of this pressing darkness in my life inside. And I just sat there, and after I'd said that, I looked to my side. Anybody got an Anki, by the way? I'm sweating. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to have to be rude and use my shirt. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's how the Welsh do it. There we go. I don't need an Anki now. I looked at my side, and there was a Bible. And when I looked at it at first, brilliant, thank you, John. When I looked at it at first, I thought, I'm not sure if I want to read that because of what I've just said. I hate my life. I hate the life you've given me. I hate the life that I'm, I'm living. I hate everything about it. When I looked at the Bible on my bedside table, I wasn't really sure that that was going to have anything to say to me. Then I picked it up. I said, God, have you ever had a moment like this? God, please talk to me. You see, it wasn't in a meeting like this. It was just alone in a dark bedroom at a moment in my life where I needed God to speak to me. I needed light in my darkness. My darkness was deep. My darkness was overcoming me and engulfing me. There was no light inside me. 
God, I need a word from you, I said. Well, I opened my Bible. And I, I don't, listen, I, I don't want anybody to go away and do this, but I did it because I was desperate. I went like this. Some of you have done that as well. Listen, listen, don't do that, right? Because, because you know, it might not happen to you. I'm not saying this is going to happen to you, but I was just desperate. I, I didn't even know where to turn in the Bible. I just opened it and I went like that. And do you know what? I mean, you may not see this as, as a big thing. It was a massive thing for me. It really was. And I put my, hand, my finger down on a line and my eyes fell on the line found in John chapter 12, which talks about hating your life. Blessed is the man that hates his life, for in hating his life, he will find my life. That was the translation that I read. It's up on the screens he who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Suddenly, as a kid, I realized that God was speaking to me. Light shone in my darkness and took it away. Listen, not everything was answered in that moment where God spoke to me, I still had to walk through stuff, still got to walk through stuff today. But it became a moment where I thought, do you know what? You are closer than I think. You're not far away and distant. You love me even though my life is broken, even though I feel this darkness and I don't know where to go or what to do. You do love me. And in that moment, I received a peace that passes understanding, understanding. I'm gonna ask the musicians to come. We're gonna finish in just a few moments. There's a, there's a gentleman here this morning who we know and love well, Paul Marshall. We know Paul, some of you may not know Paul if you're visiting with us. Paul's been in the church many years and I was talking to Paul just this week and Paul talked about the same darkness that engulfed his life engulfed by darkness and he said Dave it got so bad that I was standing listen I was standing on Clifton suspension bridge ready to jump that's dark that is dark people that is really dark and he said in that moment of decision, there were two voices. There was a voice that wanted to intensify the darkness and cause me to jump. But also there was the light. The light came in that moment of crisis. And he heard within himself another voice, the appeal of Jesus, Paul. Don't do what you're going to do. Walk away from this place. I'll give you a new life. Do you know what? Paul listened to that voice. 
and his life changed. It went into a place of, of great blessing and great fruitfulness to the point that Paul has been walking with Jesus in this light now for many, many years. We could go around this room and talk about this darkness that has engulfed many of us and left us fearful, left us depressed, left us in, 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 in crisis after crisis. But the Word of God to us today is this. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Let me finally close with that passage of Scripture that Juliet read so wonderfully to us from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 to verse 7. This is talking about the light shining, not in the sky, the light that we call the sun. This is talking about the life, the light that shines in the darkness of our heart that expels all of your fear, that expels the depressive, the depression that tries to hinder and hold you back, expels all of the issues that, that try to rise up and take us prisoner. This light shines in our hearts if we allow it to. Paul the Apostle says this, For God, who said... Let there be light in the darkness. Has made this light shine in our hearts. So we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. You see, this is a present light. This is not a past light that's just written about in the history of biblical times. This is a present light that wants to come right into the dark recesses of our heart and our mind and our soul. We have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. God bless you this Christmas. And I want to say to you on behalf of, of this church and on behalf of, of God, I want to say let the light shine in the darkness. The darkness is not going to overcome the light that shines because God loves you. God loves us and I'm telling you whether it's sickness in our bodies that the doctor do doesn't have the answer for and, and that troubles you, the light is going to shine. Keep holding on church, keep believing even amidst the frailty of your body, keep believing that this light is going to shine and it's going to bring healing and wholeness to your body and to your families and to your homes. Father, I thank you for every precious person in this building today. Lord, you see, Lord, how darkness tries to attack us. You see, Lord, those valleys that we go through sometimes and they seem to be so endless. And yet your light, oh Lord, you won't hold the light back from your people, from anyone. Lord, all that call upon your name shall be saved. Lord, we may cry to you from our hearts today in our dark corner, in our dark place and immediately you come to us in saving grace, in light 
to bring us and to make us whole. So, Father, I pray for every person here today. I pray, Lord, they would have a wonderful Christmas in knowing your peace, in knowing your salvation. There may be somebody here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. You've never placed your trust in him. You say, well, Dave, what have I got to do? You can't do anything. None of us can to clean up our life. We've been damaged by darkness. But he doesn't worry about that. He loves us. Maybe today you're going to place your trust in him as the light of the world for the first time. I'm going to pray a prayer quietly. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want you to quietly repeat this prayer and mean it. Something will happen. Light will come in your darkness, in your heart, in your life. And it won't invade you. It won't interrogate you. It'll beautify you. It'll make you everything that God has designed you to be. Pray this prayer with me this morning and then we will stand to sing. Father, I ask you to come into my heart. Jesus, be my light in the midst of my darkness, I pray, save me, forgive me. I put my trust in you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me, for rising from the dead and promising to never leave me or forsake me. Amen. If you